We're going to turn in our, in our Bibles today uh, to John chapter 1. And I want to share something with you that has been going over and over in my mind. I've been meditating on it now for two or three weeks. And, uh, and I just want to give you, uh, I've mentioned it uh, a couple of times in relation to uh, uh, our prayer and praying over people's needs. And, uh, but I want, to, I want to give you some biblical background and substantiate the claim that I have made uh, in your presence in the last couple of weeks that we have the power and authority to call things forth. Amen. That we can call forth an acceleration of things that we, in the natural might take a period of time. Amen. But according to the power that has been vested in us through the Lord Jesus, we can accelerate the healing process, for example, and, and bring it up to the grade of miracle. Amen. You see, a miracle is, is when something that, that would normally take a long period of time to happen, happens suddenly. And uh, that's one definition of miracle. Another definition is when something is impossible and cannot happen, but all the laws of physics and nature are suspended and it happens in spite of all the reasons why it can't happen. That's another definition of miracle. It's when God's mighty power is tapped into and, and, uh, and overrides everything that we understand to be physical or um, uh, uh, even spiritual laws. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And the Bible teaches that God did that and does that, but also the Bible teaches that that power and authority is delegated to the believer. And I want to share a little bit on those lines this morning, and then we might just, we might just do some of it. How, how does that sound? Well, in John chapter 1, verse 1, very familiar scripture, we, we know it very well, we could probably all quote it by now, is that uh, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Matter of fact, in the King James Version, that word, Word, is capitalized. Yeah. Meaning it's personified. It, there, it is a person. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. So that tells us it's a, it's a person. The Word is a person. All things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Amen? In the beginning, God uttered words. Those words uh, were who we know to be the Lord Jesus today. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? Y'all know that. When the Bible mentions the word, especially capitalized, it's talking about Jesus in his uh, pre-incarnate form, in, in his uh, 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 original deity. He was God, and he was with God, and he was, he was the agent of creation. God made everything come to pass or come into existence through his spoken word. Yes. Spoken word. Before there was ever a written word, there was the spoken word of God. Amen? And, uh, and we know that that is uh, 
New Testament doctrine and taught by the apostles. It was the apostle John who wrote this, 1 John. And, uh, and so we know that it is uh, a New Testament theology as well as historical fact. That in the beginning, Jesus existed in the form of the spoken word of God. And he was God. And everything that was made was made through the spoken word of God. The spoken word is very, very important. That's why God, when he created mankind, he gave mankind the ability to speak. Words. Intelligible words. That were linked to his authority. And, uh, and, and we know that throughout the scriptures, that, that fact was, was uh, uh, accepted. All the apostles, Jesus, everyone, uh, everyone that we look to as prophets and apostles, they all believed in the historical record of creation. And that's what I'm talking about the Genesis 1, historical record of creation. It's not a theory. It's not a myth. It's not just poetic license. There's no poetry there, by the way. <laughs> it, it is historical record. It is fact, as given and dictated to Moses by God himself. And Moses, the lawgiver, the one God entrusted to write the commandments, the law, God gave instructions to write the first five books of the Bible, Genesis being the first one. We believe in the literal interpretation of Genesis. We believe it's historical fact that has been corroborated by all the law, all the prophets, and all of the apostles, and Jesus himself, because they always referred back to Genesis as fact. Amen? Amen? So if you are a Bible believer, if you are a really Christian, if you're a true Christian, you're going to believe the biblical account, and you're going to take it for what it says as the actual truth. That's going to set you at odds with the rest of the world. The rest of the world wants to, wants to minimize the importance of Genesis because if you believe Genesis, then you got to believe in a God who made it all and who has power and authority and rules the universe with his, with his spoken word. Amen. They don't want to believe that. They don't want to retain the knowledge of God in their thinking. And so they come up with all kinds of theories and try to worm their way out from under God's authority, and they just they, they can't do it because the facts are the facts. And the facts are written in the historical record, and I want to read them to you this morning. I'm going to read, we're going to look in Genesis chapter 1, and we're just going, we're just going to read away for a while, okay? And, uh, and, and uh, listen, th this, I'm going to tell you why they don't want us to believe this here in a minute. 
Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Uh, another translation says, And the, the earth was a watery planet. It was covered with water. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, here's the first one. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, some would say, where did it come from? It came from God. There was light before there was ever a sun, a moon, or any stars. God said, let there be light, and light just burst forth. And we know that it traveled uh, and still travels at 186,000 miles per second in every direction. Amen. That was the force of this word from God. One word from God shot light at light speed, and it has not slowed down. It has not diminished. It's still going and growing. And so the universe is expanding in all directions at 186,000 miles per second. You'll never you'll never reach the end of the universe because you're way late. And you can't travel that fast. Even if you could, you wouldn't catch up because it's still growing, still expanding. Until God says that's enough, it's going to keep going. You see, when God says something, it's forever. Can you say amen? God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. He gave a name to everything. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now I'm going to back up here a second and just say that in, in verses 1 and 2 and 3, you have, you have, you have the culmination of, of an eternity. And then suddenly you have this unfolding of Earth's creation, of what we now know as, as, as planet Earth. And so it's kind of like you have the general over, uh, overview and then you get into the details. And so uh, verses uh, 4 on are the details. We're not looking at the universe anymore. We're looking at one planet. Y'all see that? You see where he kind of he kind of zeroes in on one on one on this one planet. He made all the heavens and the earth, but he's zeroing in on this one planet. Why this one planet? Yeah, this is a special place. And God said that uh, he, he he divided the night and day and said that you know uh, the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, "Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters." And let it divide the waters from the waters. So he caused, he caused the continents to rise up and separate the waters. So now we have land and sea. Y'all see that? And uh, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. So he, he separated water in the atmosphere from the water in the oceans. And he made a space in between where we could live. But there was a canopy of water above the earth, and there was water on the earth, the water under the earth. 
But in that separation between the waters was what we call dry land. And it was an environment that uh, certain creatures could live in. You see what God's doing. And God called the firmament heaven. Now, it's not the heaven where He is. It's, it's, it's the atmosphere above us. And the evening and the morning were the second day. God did all that in, in a day. Now, He defined what a day was uh, when He said morning and evening. A day is a 24-hour period. And He did all that in a day. Not a thousand years. I know some folks like to use that one scripture somewhere in the Bible that a day uh, is a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. That scripture's got its place, but its place is not here. Amen. This was a literal 24-hour day. Not billions and billions and billions of years. Okay, and so in verse 8, uh, verse 9, he says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called, he seas. And God saw that it was good. Who made the land and the seas? God did. And God said, verse 11, Let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit. Everybody say, the tree yielding fruit. The tree, fruit. The tree had fruit on it. Whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Now, do you see what happened here? God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, and it all sprung up and became fully mature with fruit on it in one day. That's the authority and power of God to call things forth. He can call things from, from His Word. His Word becomes the seed, and He can cause the seed to spring up, sprout, and grow to full maturity, and actually bearing seeds or bearing fruit, and He can do it in one day. He makes the seed. He grows the seed to full maturity and fruitfulness in one day. That's God. That separates God from anybody I know. Amen? Isn't that, isn't that great? And that, that was just the third day. And in verse 14, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So here we have God making the sun 
and the moon and all the stars in heaven. And how long did it take him? Verse 19, the evening and the morning were the fourth day. On the fourth day, God made all of the stars in the heavens that were there. He put them there to make light for the, at night, but also to, uh, to give uh, direction and to and be for signs. You know, if you read them right, you, you know the signs of the times and all that, times and the seasons. But he did it in one day. How, how long do they say it take, took the universe to come about? And then they say, oh, it's impossible because it takes thousands of light years for light to uh, come from uh, the nearest star to where we can see it with our eyes. Yeah, it does. Unless you're, unless you're in the day they're created, and in the day they're created, God made them and brought them to full fruition and brought their light to us. That day, light traveled from those stars to earth instantly. It didn't take it light years to get here. Amen. It all happened in one day. <laughs> now, if I was talking to the general public, there'd be people out there scratching their heads and saying, oh, that, that ain't possible. Well, that's what makes God God. You see, it's not possible for man, but things that are impossible for man are possible for God. Amen. And God did all this, all this stuff, He did it in one day. And, and guess what, folks? I believe it. Amen. I believe it. Jesus believed it. John believed it. Paul believed it. Peter believed it. Amen. Oh, and by the way, Peter said that it's all going to blow up and disintegrate in a day. He made it in a day, and it's going to go away in a day. Heaven and earth will pass away, and it's not going to take billions and billions of years. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in a day. Probably less than a day. Probably in just a few moments. Kapoof! Peter said there's going to be a, 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 a tremendous sound in the heavens, and the earth will melt with the fervent heat, and, the, and all the stars will melt too. And then God will make a new heaven and a new earth, and it won't take him billions of years to do it. We'll be at a party in heaven, wherever Jesus is. We'll be wherever Jesus is. We'll be having a party, and while we're at the party, God will make a new heaven and a new earth. The next day, we'll come down and we'll live on it. That's in Revelation. You see, Revelation agrees with Genesis. Genesis and Revelation are like looking, looking at, at, at eternity from both ends. And they agree. They agree. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. Amen. And, and it, all, it all agrees. If, if your theories don't agree with Genesis and Revelation, they're wrong. By the way, there's a great number of archaeologists and geneticists and physicists today, a tremendous number, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of them, that are coming over to the Bible way of thinking. They're saying there's just only one way to explain it, and that's, that's, that's that somebody 
Somebody planned it to happen this way. I saw a couple archaeologists, uh, a, a video, you may have seen this video, that were standing at the Grand Canyon and explained how that canyon was probably made in, in, in a day or two. And they scientifically proved why they believed that. Because of the way these layers, these strata in the canyon were, there was no erosion in between the layers. It just all happened all at once. Bang, 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 bang. These layers were laid out. And that's what the whole continent of uh, North America looks like. There were parts of, there were fossil parts of animals, sea creatures, by the way, sea creatures, that uh, a leg and a tail was in one strata of the Grand Canyon, and up here on another strata of the Grand Canyon, you found their head, and, and, and then on another strata, you found their torso. And there's only one explanation of it. It had to happen all at once. And there's all kinds of evidence that these creatures that were fossilized all died suddenly. Some of them even had plants in their mouth. They hadn't even chewed yet. <laughs> the only explanation is the flood and the, and the rapid drain off after the flood. And that's what created the canyons. That's what created the Grand Canyon. This rapid, it, 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 they said there's, there's no question in their mind that the Grand Canyon occurred during this 40, 60 day uh, runoff. You know, between the first dove and the second dove that went out. That's, that, that was while the Grand Canyon was being made. But now if you go to the Grand Canyon and you listen to a park ranger explain everything, he's going to tell you it took billions and billions and billions of years. Why is that? It's because they do not desire to retain the knowledge of God. So they've got to come up with other theories. And the theory of evolution, Darwin's theory, of evolution and, and, uh, and all this billions and billions of years stuff was designed to replace the Genesis account so that men would not have to answer to God. So they came up with this scientifically unprovable theory that is now being taught and fed to the world population as fact when it, it takes more faith to believe in what they say than it does to believe the Bible. It's a religion. Evolution is a religion. Well, I know Christians that believe, you know, they, they believe in creation and evolution. No, you can't. Not if you're going to believe the Bible. Now, if you want to change the meaning of the Bible to where it matches evolution and try to live, you know, and, and coexist with both, then you, you just put yourselves in their camp. You're saying the Bible is not true. But if you're going to believe the Bible, you've got to believe that our God is a God who can bring things, enormous events to pass in a day. Doesn't take God long. Can you say praise the Lord? That'll even change your eschatology a little bit. You know, the Bible talks about that great and notable day of the Lord. How many of you have heard of that? The great day of God's vengeance, the great and notable. You know, what I you, know, you know what I think? Based upon what I'm reading here in Genesis chapter 1, the day of the Lord is a day. 
Now try to fit that into your eschatology. You know what eschatology is? Your end time Bible teaching? It can all happen in a day. Doesn't take thousands of years. Doesn't take a thousand years. Doesn't take seven years. Doesn't take three and a half years. God can do it in a day. We know He can do it in a day because He did it in a day. He put it all together in a day. He can take it apart in a day. <laughs> How many of you know it takes less time to destroy something than it does to build it? So there you go. Anyway, I like, mess, I like messing with people's brains. Something to think about. Say, something to think about, Pastor. If you read on down through this, and let's just do that. Let's start with verse uh, um, 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. One day he created all the fishes in the sea and all the birds in the air. One day. Do you see that? Yeah. What day was it? The fifth day. So that's a Wednesday. On Wednesday. Because we're starting on Saturday, right? Saturday, Saturdays. No, we're starting on Sunday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, on Thurs Thursday was Fish and Bird Day. Okay, and God, verse 24, God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth was after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make, whoa, wait a minute. You mean... A tadpole from the sea did not evolve into a frog on the, on the beach, that, and that frog did not evolve into an ape, and that ape did not evolve into a man over a period of millions of years? No, it all, he made the fish in the sea on Thursday, and he made the creeping things on the land and the beast on the land on Friday. No time for evolution. And each one was after his own kind. You, do, you don't have any transitioning between one species and another species. Now, things, things have changed within species. Like, he, you know, he created a, a canine, and then from that canine, uh, over time, may have come wolves and coyotes and St. Bernards and Chihuahuas. But they're all canines. You understand that? And, and, you know, uh, man's even learned how to crossbreed different types of canines and get new breeds of, of dogs. That's true. But only within their species, only after their kind. Only in the species can changes occur. That's how Noah was able to get all the animals on the ark 
all he had to do was get a, a pair of a particular species on the ark, and then when he came off the ark, all the variations of that species occurred over time, you know, but, and they adapted to different environments. But, you know, God made those species, he made those living creatures in one day. And you don't have, you don't have any evidence in, in history, in archaeology, or in geology, or in science at all, of anything going from one species to the other. There's no mutations between species, just within species. That's important. Because they're trying to say that man is just another animal. No, man was a particular kind, a species made after the likeness and image of God. Adam was a clone of God. If you want to put it in Star Trek technology. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're talking about what happened on the, on the sixth day here. But also on the sixth day, verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image. There it is. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God created a superior being called man after his own likeness and image and put him in charge over all the other species, over all the other creatures. He didn't take a species out from among them and make that superior. No, he created, he created man in his own image, his own likeness. Can you, do you see, how many of you see that? Anybody enjoying this? And you know, all we're doing is looking at the Scripture. Amen. So, God said, and it was so. We learned that God's words are creative words. God, whatever God says is what happens. Okay, we, we found out on, on, on each individual day, that day was defined by morning and evening, by the sun going down and the sun coming up. Right? And so we know that every day in, in this creation uh, account was a 24-hour period. Amen? We know that because he just repeated that all the way through. Okay, uh, we also know that when he said, let the earth bring forth, that the earth brought forth to full fruition. And uh, that was day three, and he defined that as a 24-hour period. We also know that, uh, that everything happened suddenly, sudden growth. Everybody say sudden growth. growth. It's like a time-lapse photography. You saw, the, you saw the earth break up, and you saw this little plant coming up, and it came all the way up, came all the way up. It, it sprouted leaves, it sprouted branches, and then it sprouted fruit, and then in that fruit were seeds. All in a day. All in a day's work for God. This is really important, folks. I'm taking a little time with this, but this is really important in your understanding of what's possible. 
today. We know that on day six, not only did God make all the living creatures that, that dwelt on the earth, but he made man in his own image, his own likeness. And we know that when God made, made man, Adam, the first man, was made full grown with the image of God stamped on him. He didn't make Adam as, as, as an embryo or an infant, and he had to grow up and then eventually look like God. No, he made Adam that day to look exact. He made God, Adam, an instant complete being, full grown. We also know that when he put Adam to sleep and took from Adam's side the, the, and, and formed Eve, that when Eve was, when Adam woke up, Eve was completely, fully grown. To the point that when he looked at her, he said, whoa, man. You know, he, was, he was awestruck. She was full, fully mature. Amen. All right, that, that demonstrates God's power and ability to start and finish a work suddenly. Amen? Sudden acceleration of man's development. One day. Took God one day to go from dirt to a godlike creature. One day. Okay, how did God do it? Well, uh, all of these things were done through his spoken word, and he, he made man with his own hands, the Bible says. And, uh, you know, but God works fast. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it talks about how God operates. Romans 4, 17 says, As it is written, speaking of Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You see, God looks at Adam. Adam is an old man, and he's, he's without child. He does not have the ability to produce child. Sarah was an old woman who had, even as a young woman, could not produce children. She was barren. And we don't know whose fault it was. Maybe, maybe Abraham. Maybe, well, but, you know, they didn't bear any children even when they were childbearing age. So now that they're old, they're in their 90s now, God calls Abraham out and says, I've made you the father of many nations. When did Abraham become the father of many nations? The moment God said it. The moment God said it. Amen? And then, lo and behold, you know, a year later, uh, Isaac came along. And then, but it says this about, here is the nature of God. Abraham believed in it, by the way. And here, but here's the nature of God. He quickeneth the dead, he gives life to the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Well, I looked up that word calleth in Strong's Dictionary, and it is the word Kaleo, K-E-L-E-O, and it means to summon. It means to summon. You know, when I, it's, it's when a superior authority calls a lesser person 
to appear before him. Uh, it's a, it has the force of law, and it also carries with it a penalty if you don't come. When God calleth something, it has to come or it's going to be penalized. As an example, Mark chapter 11, we have Jesus and the fig tree. Who was Jesus? The Word, the Creator. He had the authority to call for a fig. So he goes to a fig tree, and the fig tree says, it's not season. The fig tree says, it's not fig season. Because we know, we know because Mark chapter 11 says it was not the season for figs. And we know that the fig tree is the one that said it because Jesus, it says that Jesus answered the fig tree. So the fig tree said something to Jesus. And Jesus answered the fig tree. He said, basically, I'm going to paraphrase now. He said, I, the Creator God, have summoned a fig. I have called for a fig, and you have refused to give me a fig. So from this day forward, no man shall eat fruit of you anymore, forever. And the next day, you know the story, they came upon that same fig tree, and it was dried up from the roots. It died. His word, Jesus' word was fulfilled. Well, it was the reverse, it was the reverse of creation. But see, Jesus demonstrated here, he had the authority to call forth fruit from that fig tree, and that fig tree was supposed to pop a fig out. And it didn't do it. And, but here's the exciting thing. Jesus turned to us. He turned to his disciples. Anybody here a disciple of Jesus? He turned to his disciples and he said, have, the, have this kind of faith. Have, the faith. have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. And he said, if you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and don't doubt but believe that what you said will come to pass, you will have what you say. Amen. He said that. Mark 11, 22 to 24. How many of you have read it? Heard countless sermons on it. What was Jesus saying? Jesus saying, faith will bring you into the same authority that I stand in, where you too can call things forth. And they have to obey you. So what he's saying is, you have summoning authority. Selah, that means, think about it. Okay? God calls things forth. You, according to Mark 11, you now have been given the power and authority to call things forth. Now, you can add all kinds of little conditions onto it, but Jesus didn't add any conditions to it. Jesus left it right there. Well, he did say you have to forgive. But we know that, and we do that, right? How many of you practice forgiveness? So, that does, so you're, not, you're not disqualified because of that, okay? You better not be. You won't even go to heaven if you don't, if you don't forgive. <clears throat> okay. 
Now, it was demonstrated again in John chapter 11, verse, uh, verse 43. I mean, the same chapter. After Jesus curses the fig tree, he goes down, you know, Lazarus gets sick. I mean, it's not the same chapter. This is John 11. That was Mark 11. But in the, the same Jesus, same time period. He goes down, he finds out Lazarus has died. He goes to Lazarus' tomb. And, he's, and, and the Bible says he, he did something. He told, the, he told the people, roll the stone away. Y'all remember the story? And what did he say? What did he say to Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth. He summoned him. He said, where did he summon him from? He was already in paradise, people. He was down in the bosom of Abraham. They were having a welcoming party for him. They'd already cut the cake. He's there with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's hobnobbing there with uh, David and, you know, all, all the heroes of the Old Testament. And he hears this voice, and it's the voice of Jesus, and it's calling him forth. Jesus didn't just call him out of the tomb. He called him out of paradise, and he came forth. I like what Joe Wagner, how he, how he described it. He said, he didn't walk out of that tomb. He floated out. He floated out laterally. God stood, God stood him up, and then Jesus said, now go, go un, unloose his bonds so he can move. So he, he didn't walk out of there. He was all bound up. He, he floated out of there. And Jesus called him forth. I mean, literally called him forth. Amen. You know why? Because the force was with Jesus. Literally. The power and ability of God was with Jesus. Acts 10, 38. He went about doing good. He went about everywhere doing good. Why? Because he was anointed of God. Because God was with him. The force, the authority, the power of God, that creative power of God we just witnessed in Genesis was with Jesus. And Jesus said that he was passing it on to his followers. That's what Pentecost is all about, people. Pentecost is all about the power and authority of God, God's own power, God's dunamis, being handed to us, being passed on to us. We were given the torch. Jesus said, I must go away, but it's better for you if I go away. Because if, if I don't go away, I can't send the promise of the Father to you. What was the promise of the Father? May the force be with you. Amen. Amen. Oh, you, you, you think those Hollywood guys came up with that stuff on their own? Oh, no. You know, man, has, man can only copy. Man can't invent. It's just like I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Peter was, was delivered from prison by that angel and they came to the gate of the prison and the prison doors just opened up. You know, we, we think Publix invented those doors, you know, that just open up. Oh, no, no, no. That, 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 uh, they just copied God's invention. Amen. Traveling on light, you know. God does that all the time. Man's still trying to get it accomplished. Maybe they will accomplish it before it's all over. But, uh, but uh, you know, they, got, they get the ideas from God. Praise God. The dark side of the force. 
the rebellion. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it, it's all right out of the Bible, people. It's all right out of the Bible. Of course, they twisted it and made it, you know, tried to eliminate the, the one true God. But we know the truth. Amen. Amen. Jesus called Lazarus to come forth. I want you to look at John 14, 12. Letting the scriptures build the case. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Who does that? Uh, that's me. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, including calling forth the dead. You know what happened in, in that one miracle? Lazarus was dead four days. Rigor mortis had already set in. Corruption had already set in. The maggots were already working on his flesh. And those two words, three words, Lazarus come forth, reversed all that corruption, reversed all that death working in his body, and brought Lazarus back to life as though he had never died. Accelerating, accelerating. Amen? Praise God. Well, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. After I've consulted with the Father in heaven's court and make sure it's okay for you to do that. He didn't say that, did he? No, he, didn't. he said, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That word ask could also be translated summon. Yeah. It could be translated demand, make a draw, write a check, whatever. That will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In case you didn't get it the first time he said it, he says in verse 14, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let's not change the Word of God. Let's just believe it like it's written. Okay, remember Genesis 1.28, God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. You need to study that verse and find out what those words mean. There's a fourfold uh, 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 commission here for mankind. Number one, be fruitful. Amen. Are you being fruitful? Is everything in your life being fruitful? Or do you accept unfruitfulness? The mandate on us is to be fruitful. Also to multiply. We're not believing God to add to this church. We're believing God to multiply this church. Because there's nothing in the Bible that gives us a mandate to add. It's all multiplication. See, God's in a hurry. He's into accelerating things. He doesn't want you to plant one seed of corn and get one corn cob. He wants multiplication. We've done the numbers before. We've taken, we've taken from, one, from one kernel of corn and we've added up how many, how many kernels of corn appear on that stalk. 
And then if you plant every kernel that's on that stalk again, it, it grows exponentially. That third generation is whoo, and then the fourth generation is like a whole field of corn. Am I right, you, you farmers? Can you, can you tell me off the top of your head how many kernels of corn you get from one seed? Seven to eight hundred. That's, that's the first time out. Then you plant, let's say you plant the, those eight hundred and you get seven to eight hundred times that. It's, it's hurting my mind, my mathematical genius. I just say it's a lot. Amen? Yeah. Je Jesus, you know, he, he told us to multiply. And then verse 3, and replenish the earth. Replenish the earth. Now, what's going on in our world, in our society right now, is, is all, these, all these guys who've, who've rejected the knowledge of God and have ascended in their own minds to become gods of the world, their number one, their number one goal is to, is to limit and restrict and kill. They don't want to replenish the earth. They want to kill off the earth. Their desire is to reduce the population. See, they're going contrary to God's, God's mandate. And we're to have dominion. But who's to have dominion? Those that are in the image of God are to have dominion. Not those who are contrary to God. He wasn't given dominion to the devil and the devil's crowd. He was given dominion to his man. And I and, I and you, we are his men. We are his people. And then uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. That word follower there, I looked it up. It's number 3402 in the concordance. And it's... Uh, memetes, memetes, M-E-M-E-T-E-S, but you pronounce it memetes, and it means mimic, mimic, or imitator. You see, the, the Ephesians 5.1 says that we are to imitate God like a child would imitate his daddy. You've seen pictures. Daddy and the little boy sitting on a park bench. Daddy crosses his right leg over his knee. Little boy crosses his right leg over his knee. Daddy puts his hat on. Little boy puts his hat on. I mean, he's copying every move. Well, listen, if we're going to copy the moves of God, we've got to learn about this summoning power. Because God doesn't, God doesn't mess around. And he wants us to copy him. He doesn't want us to copy fallen man. He doesn't want us to copy the world. He wants us to imitate him. That's why Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. Because the Holy Ghost is coming upon you. Amen? He's equipped us for it. Praise God. I'm going to read it again, Mark 11:22. Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. 
And when you stand, pray and forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now, folks, I'm talking about a power and authority that we, we've operated in in the past. We might, have, we might not have known where we got that power and authority, and we might not have known all this stuff that I've been telling you, connecting the dots, but uh, uh, we've, all, we've all had experiences uh, where we called things forth. I remember, I remember one time uh, I was in a church service in Liberal, Kansas. Y'all know where Liberal, Kansas is? It's down southwestern Kansas, right in the corner of southwest Kansas. And I was at, uh, I was at this, uh, it was out, in the, out at the fairgrounds, and we were in the ag building, and they were having this uh, charismatic uh, meeting, and uh, the speaker was a guy named Bill Bozanski. Bill Bozanski was a Russian immigrant that came to the United States. And he's, walk, he's one of these guys that walks back and forth. And, and he preached for about three hours. You know, y'all remember those days? Praise God. You want me to move back behind the pole? Praise God. So I, I'm just, uh, I'm sitting up there, and I'm close, I'm on the second row, and in front of me is a bald-headed man. Shiny bald head. Sharp-looking guy. Well, Bill Bozanski keeps walking back and forth, preaching, preaching, preaching. And every time he passed in front of that bald-headed man, he'd look at that bald-headed man and get this look on his face. You know, like, something ain't right here. And you could tell he was getting kind of perturbed. And finally, he stopped, slapped his hand on top of that guy's bald head and said, in the name of Jesus, I command hair to come forth. And then he just went on preaching. Now, I'm sitting behind the bald-headed man. And I promise you, within the next hour, while Bill kept preaching, Within the next hour, I saw hair growing on that man's head. By the time the service was over, he had hair on his head that was discernible by everybody there. His hair came back. And it was, it was brown and curly. And he was not too happy about it because he liked his bald head. And, uh, but he got hair. I mean, I'm just telling you. I saw that with my own eyes. Well, I, I have seen, in, in, it's occurred in, in, in my own ministry under my own hand. You know, I've, I, I've seen people that you know, were short leg, one leg was shorter than the other, and we would, you know, I'd take them by the ankles and I would command that leg to grow forth. And that, that short leg would, out, would out, grow out there and match the other one. Felt like I was a chiropractor, a chiropractor, you know. But, but I was calling for, I was calling that leg forth. I wasn't pulling on it. I was just calling it forth. And that happened, that happened a lot during full gospel businessmen's days, you know. And the same way with demons. We, we would call demons out of people, and they'd just come out. So we've operated in this authority, and we've operated in this power many times during our life. Power of binding and loosing. I've bound up tornadoes and I've bound up hailstorms. We've stopped the wind. We've sent hurricanes packing. <laughs> I say we, us, all of us believers. These, 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 are, these are events that where 
where we've intervened in natural circumstances with supernatural results. But then we didn't know, we, you know, we couldn't explain how it all happened. We couldn't explain why it happens one time and didn't happen another time. Well, maybe the other time we weren't exercising faith. But I want you to know that God wants to accelerate his work in the earth. We know that. We know it's time for speed up, not slow down. Time is short. And we've got, we've got to call things forth. Call things that be not as though they were and, and, and uh, act like God. In what? In everything. In everything. We need to call for financing so that the, the, the kingdom of God, the workers of God, will have the money to go into all the world. Amen? Because the time is short. We can't, we can't live on $10 a month, $20 a month pledges. We, 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 we need to call in uh, uh, fortunes. I want our missionaries to go forth in power and authority and instead of having to, you know, tie their car together with bailing wire and, and hope it gets there. I mean, that's just crazy. In this day and age, we need, we need, we need missionaries uh, with their own airplanes so they don't have to mess with the stupidity of Delta Airlines and American Airlines. You know, they, they, got, they sold people tickets for Memorial Day. And they got people out there, you know, traveling on Memorial Day, and then they canceled flights by the thousands and left people stranded. Didn't you hear about that? I don't even listen to the news, and I heard about that. I mean, you know what? They're controlled by the same people that control all this other stuff. And the whole plan is to frustrate people to the point they won't travel. That's why the gas prices are the way they are. There's no shortage of gasoline. There's no shortage of fuel. There's no shortage of baby formula. There's no shortage of food to eat. It's, it's all contrived in order to stop that last day's harvest. Well, I'm calling forth victory on every level. On every level in Jesus' name. And, uh, and we're not, we're not going to just sit here and let them tie our hands and tie our... Uh, and, nail our feet to the floor so we can't go and do. We're, go, we're going to do God's work, even if we have to call forth every new jet that comes off the assembly line. Now, I can't fly one, but I bet I could learn. Amen. Kenneth Copeland flies one. He's 86 years old. He went down and took his, uh, his uh, fitness test a few months ago and, and aced it, passed it flying colors. They said, man, there's no reason for us. To, we, we, we have no reason to ground you. And so here he is, 86 years old, and he's flying jets. Finally, somebody gets it, right? Yeah. Somebody got a hold of it. Well, he's one, of, he's one of the teachers. He's one of the mentors in the body of Christ, teaching us how to have faith in God. We ought to listen. Yeah. We ought to listen to the Copelands, the Hagans. And people like that, that that have laid down the groundwork for us to believe God. Because if you believe God, the works that he did, you will do also. And these people that say that's nonsense and that's all, that's all um, uh, you know, people trying to get you money and all that kind of stuff, uh, they're working for the other team. I'm just telling you, they're working for the other team. They may not know it, but they're working for the other team. 
I, I'm working for the team that gets things done. I want to I join the team that's effective. I want to be one of the members of the God team. It's got angelic help. It's got the Holy Ghost. It's got all this stuff. You can't lose with the stuff we use. Amen? Praise God. Well, we're going we're gonna to take communion together, and we're going to come into this Pentecost Sunday power that God is. Understand, it's not, just, it's not just the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not just to give you goosebumps and make you shout. It's to give you, it's to give you God's creative power and ability so that you can go forth and change the world. Amen?